everybody, welcome back to TKD Coach Academy. This episode is taken from a visual episode on YouTube, Fight Chat Friday, that we record every Friday. But I'm sure, even though it's not the visual episode, you will still take a lot of value from this audio version. But if you are interested in seeing the visuals that go with this, check us out on YouTube, TKD Coach Academy. Hey everyone and welcome to this week's Fight Chat Friday where we're going to be looking at the minus 63 senior male division from the World Championships in Ireland 2017 and it really jumped out at us this week because of the quality of competitors that all met in the early rounds long before the medals uh, and what we really want to talk about this week is just being prepared to shoot out of the blocks round one and uh, some good illustration this week as to why that's absolutely necessary. Hey everybody, welcome back to Fight Chat Friday. It's back again with just me and Adrian. Um, so we'll, we should have some more guests again lined up in the future. We don't want to uh, spoil you too early and have all our guests on so soon. So we, we, we kind of um, have them on sparingly, I guess, just to keep people interested and have, have um, people, I suppose, these are long episodes, so you need to, a bit of a chance to get through them as well. And so that's the plan. Today we're going to go with the 63 division from 2017. Some great clips there that we have from that. And Adrian, of course, was a, an organizer of that great championships. A fantastic event. Yeah, um, it was an easy time. <laughs> yeah, not only coaching, but also an organizer. So, yeah, I don't yeah, know how you yeah. did that one. But a fantastic event. And, of course, we uh, Ireland are looking to host the World Cup in, when is that, 20... 2024, 2024? Yeah. Yeah, so no doubt that'll be another fantastic event. So before we get stuck into it, if you're new here, make sure and subscribe. Hit that bell notification if you don't want to miss a video. We do a video at the moment every Tuesday. We do a live session, a practical session in Dobok. And then on Friday, we usually have a Fight Chat Friday series, something like this, where we sit down, have a chat about sparring or some aspect of Taekwondo, maybe training, competition, whatever. And occasionally we have some very high-level guests and itf legends to join us as well so we have a few very very um popular people lined up in the next while so make sure and subscribe if you're new of course hit the video thumbs up as well and make sure as always if you're joining us live get involved in the chat get your questions in let us know where you're from it's a cracker of a day here in ireland so and um, we we had one of the first nice days we had in the whole year so we had to come inside here but we're happy to be joined by all of you guys so let us know where you are in the chat um, and we'll get stuck into the show. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I mean, the first thing to look at was, like, this is the, the first half, but just looking at some of the names that are jumping out at us from uh, from this particular division. So, uh, you know, one of the first matches we're going to look at is uh, Rostik Ivanchuk, who's representing Ukraine, uh, from Ukraine, but living and training in Ireland at the time. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then against Ruben Williams and like Rostick had been junior European champion. Ruben had a uh, silver in Europeans. So like they'd be familiar opponents from that point of view. So definitely a high level match. We can see yep. where uh, Julio Carlos has ended up with um, uh, a buy in the first round and Luke McGrath has ended up with a buy in the first round. So they meet, you know, their first match is against each other. And uh, again, both champions in their own right at various levels. Um, so uh, an absolute hell of a match there. So Luke, oh, how many times he's European champion in Slovenia? Um, yeah, he uh, won in senior there, wasn't he? He was bronze in Bosnia, uh, went up to 70. Well. 
Yeah, yeah, he's uh, a fair few titles under his name, to be fair, yeah. Yeah, and then, of course, Julio, I don't think needs any introduction to anyone here. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you look through it, well, that's quite a, a, an interesting uh, like quarter. And then we have Timothy Boss in the second quarter there. Um, and, and not to take away from any of the other uh, competitors, we also have Matthias Bustamante, who's uh, you know mm. very well-known Argentinian competitor as well. Uh, you know, s- s- sitting in that you know quarter, and this is again all before you get anywhere near a final. So we yep. want to. Really and we have a Tay down at the bottom there as well from Netherlands who Tay got Tay a bronze in the World Cup, and the the oh. year before, which was a, a massive event with a lot of competitors. So to come through there and to medal is uh, an achievement. So obviously, no slouch as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, so really it's kind of just hitting home that importance of you you might fight your world championship final in the first round or second round yeah. you know you don't you don't always have the luxury and it's because we don't have seating well when i say you don't have seating you can see in this division it was uh i think was yeah oh, there we go espen was seated and sanal wasn't there so really when you have the other person not there you have no seating because you don't yeah. need to separate those two so in the end this wasn't a seated event um so you know, you have some really tough first rounds and you'll see from the action as we go through it that, you know, there are, these are really close battles. So maybe we just jump right into that one with Rostick and Ruben just to break us in gently yeah. and have a look at one. Uh, by no means gently though, it's a cracker. <laughs> Guys start off straight away, great intensity. Um, yeah, and anybody who kind of knows Rostick style, the, his intensity is quite high. He um, He always brings that high intensity with him. And you can see he starts off right away trying to build that rhythm of his own. Yeah, I mean, you would you would say like his intensity is quite high. It's the, the speed of the bounce and, you know, the, mm-hmm. uh, the the rate at which he's throwing feints and shortening the steps and all of that kind of thing. He really does try to keep you on your toes the whole way through the fight and doesn't really allow you to settle into a comfortable tempo. Um, even though by nature, he tends to be very much a push-pull fighter. So, you know, he's looking to squeeze into your space uh pull you away and as you as you advance towards them as you t- try and take some space it's usually then the the counter blades of the front leg um you know so ruben will know this though i mean that's the only thing because they, they have i don't know if they've mm-hmm. actually uh, met before in competition but they've been around each other in competition for a while yeah they would definitely be aware of each other and like of course um rusty comes from a wacko background as well and he he's um i think at this stage he's like contact 63 world champion so um definitely well able to, to mix it between the point style as well and to uh, have that continuous style in, in his arsenal so you can see here he's getting nice clear scores which is a, a massive thing for the judges yeah i mean you you can always spot like with the with these guys you know when it comes to ruben like he, he is uh, i suppose fundamentally a fairly straightforward front leg fighter most of the time but he does mm-hmm. come to hands quite well um yeah and you know, it, it really is kind of, a, and, and the, the match ends up close. I think this one goes to a draw. And yeah, like it's unsurprising where, you know, they, they tend to connect the techniques in a lot of the same way. Um, and Rostick so far hasn't really gotten that clear, uh, you know, defining lead that he often does get, you know, so where he's gotten one or two clear scores and then he starts to pull away, pull away, pull away. And uh, a little bit like Julio in that respect as well, not maybe as stylish mm-hmm. in terms of how he does it, but once he has you trying to follow him, he can be very tricky to catch. Yeah, and just for people watching as well, Rustic is in blue hair and Ruben's in red. For people who aren't aware of the fighters, we take yeah. that for granted because we, we kind of know him um, quite 
quite regularly on the scene these days. But uh, yeah, you can see as well that like the this match obviously is in the first round, so like these guys have to come out as the video suggests out of the blocks firing because that's it. Your champ world championships is over for another two years if you don't put it all together in this four minutes, which is a very short time. So um, it, there's no there's no real getting into it or anything you can't afford to do that so you can see that i think that's uh, one thing that really helps rustic in his style of that high bounce and high intensity because he doesn't have an option to start slow no he really doesn't i mean you know it, it will usually be that and because you know he, he tends to get his high value scores building off that front hand uh you mm. know he is going to have to come to you at some point in order to get those scores um, and, you know, some people have tried to outweigh him and it's not, you know, it's not usually a great option. Mm. Uh, but what's quite interesting is both of them are looking to deal with that front leg sidekick much the same way. They're looking to uh, to jam or, you know, interfere with the front leg and bring the backhand to bear. And, yeah. you know, what you're, you're waiting for when you have a match like this to see, okay, who's going to have a little bit more to their game? Who's going to change it up first and try something a little bit riskier to see if they can take the edge? Um, I mean, mm -hmm. it's sitting at 2-2 at the moment. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, and like you said earlier, with, with um, Ruben, especially the fighter he is, and especially for Rustic, it's not really a match where you're going to see lots of angles. It's very much a straight line battle. And yeah. how many times have we spoken about getting off first and, and being on top with both hands and legs, if you can? it's it's uh, pays so much dividends here, and you can see that that's where the scores are really coming from, the people who are able to get on top with the front leg or else get get above with their hands. And they're a very interesting little exchange where, uh, and we'll just roll back to it, uh, coming into the next corner where uh, you can see Rostic kind of getting into contact with the hands and Ruben scores a lovely, or at least lands a very, very nice counter psychic on the way out of the ring. But you mm -hmm. have to wonder, uh, you know, when, uh, when you see these ones just here, um, which is the one that the referees see. Uh, True. Because, and the, you know, the fact that he leaves the ring as well, you wonder, do referees score that? Yeah, and you know it's it seems to be that's kind of a critical point uh, mm -hmm. for Rostick in this one. Yeah, and, and there you like I said, it's obviously a tie. So like, it looks like it's two two. Is that right? Two one. Uh, two one. Two one to Rostick right now. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, then and obviously we spoke about that on Tuesday of uh, ways people kind of exit the ring cleverly by throwing a back kick that wasn't really a back kick. Boys yeah. a couple of seconds and runs down the clock playing the game. I had so that yeah. Walk had that warning to get so that's just uh you know you might as you have to take it cleverly uh, and you might yeah. as well take a shot at a score while you do it but it really is quite interesting when you when you look at you know exactly leading back to last tuesday you have jamming from both of them you know you, you have them looking at uh cutting the the psychic short by stepping into it bringing the backhand to bear finding the turning kick uh which we've talked about previously you know to to open the the match out a little bit and then at various times in the matches, both of them have played the edge of the ring. But you'd have to say, yeah, right at the, at the death of it with the, the points in the bag, uh, Rostick has definitely played a little bit clever there, uh, not allowing himself to be rushed with hands and uh, potentially mm. giving away his lead. And, and and that's it at the start, isn't it? Because you, you have to be absolutely clued in because these contests, anybody at the high level and all these guys we picked out today are very good, high-quality guys. It's going to come down to yeah. that small margin. So when it comes down to that small margin, then you have to be sure that you're kind of switched on and playing every single little small thing to your advantage, like we've seen with Rustic there. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that has uh, Rustic in Ukraine advancing. And uh, we then go to the, the match. It's actually the second round, but neither competitor has fought yet. So this is uh, Luke McGrath and Julio uh, meeting in the second round for their first match. And as we join this one, 
it's just at the start of the second round and Luke is leading 3-1 on the flags. Uh, so mm. You see a, a big height difference as well. Yeah, uh, Luke is a yeah. that way. Definitely. Um, so obviously, Luke is very much based off that front leg, using his natural ability of using his height well in that 63 division. Um, and yeah, you see, obviously, Julio is trying to find a way to get past that leg and, and bypass that distance. And we spoke about his uh, his springboard kind of sidekick style before, and uh, that he's kind of using that to almost get him in and, and open up something maybe on the another principle we've talked about the contrast of maybe spinning around the, the straighter line shot. Yeah, he's looking to come under here wherever it's possible or mm -hmm. to spin when the leg is high enough so that you know yeah. he, can, he can let his body drop under the leg as he goes. Uh, but fundamentally, he's waiting and looking to force a, a Luke McGrath mistake here for the most part. And Luke can play a lot safer uh, at this stage. Yeah. And, you know, uh, he, he can really just keep uh, Julio on the edge of the leg if his distance and timing is good. And that just there is something that Luke does very well. Like he, he presents mm. the threat with the front leg for 30 seconds in a row and then all yeah. of a sudden yeah. switches gears. Yeah, and that that's so important, especially for somebody trying to uh, understand the rhythm and, and try to get a read on you. Like Julio is here. Like Julio is one of the most intense guys in terms of tempo and almost yeah. uh, the kind of like the intensity that he brings. And obviously, you can see that here. And um, but trying to bypass that leg range initially is is important. Is the difficulty in that, of course. And um, when you have a, a threat like somebody like Luke, so obviously he's trying to do that in a clever way. And Luke then obviously very clever is able to switch it up to keep people guessing. But uh, Julio has gotten great reward off of both that uh, that initial blitz that you know I, I, you know for me watching at the time I thought Luke had managed to uh, you know shovel out of the way and then uh, I, again that single shot with the hands just like that uh, and Luke very unlucky you might say he didn't get any score on that exchange there yeah um, you know which is look Julio was calling time but the referee is the one that calls time but sometimes the yeah. referee the, the umpires will you know they, they can see what's happening and so on. Uh, you know, and the scores don't come, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not very sure where it, it, it switched over there, to be honest. It was, uh, uh, well, yeah, going back to Julio's blitz that uh, Luke slipped, uh, Julio got uh, one on that, which brought it level, and then it went uh, to one the other okay. way on the next. Oh, so it was level first, hands. yeah, 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 it went right. to uh, one, two, one, um, okay. but again. Uh, and we're, we're jumping back to the start of that again, uh, but yeah, it was that element of nice. uh, you know it's worth saying like Julio had to wait until 30 or 40 seconds into the second round with constant work rate to find yeah. an angle on that front leg to where he could get to hands. But the whole time he was doing that, he had kept that match super close. So although Luke was three, one up on flags, he obviously mm. only had a point, you know, there was nothing in that. There was no headshot. Yeah. No, and, you know, and how many times have we spoken about that as well, Adrian, about like um, trying to get the flags that are available to you. Like if, if you're 40 points to one point down on one flag and another one is 3-2, that's a massive difference. You're not trying to get all 4-0 yeah. on your side. It, it's what can you get to salvage the contest. Um, so Absolutely. important in, in, in things that we've spoken about so many times. But I think the important thing there is experience kind of showed for Julio that he didn't panic. He didn't overcommit too early. He was confident that that he was able to... to still see out the match and he wasn't he was always in touch and distance basically oh he definitely was and you know what happens again with the with some of the likes of julio uh well you're not going to tire out luke mcgrath in the first round either so yeah what you're what you're what you're trying to do isn't exactly tire out the other person in terms of like you're you're not they're not reaching the end physically of their resources what they are doing is getting mentally tired because they're having to definitely. focus on this testing testing movement interaction and play 
the whole way through. So four minutes of deep concentration without making an error is, if not impossible, certainly very, very hard. And mm-hmm. what Julio does is he maintains that focus, maintains that concentration uh, and on keeping the other person on their toes for such a prolonged period of time, it wears you down. So if you haven't built a lead, as often happens when he does get beaten, you know, they'll end up building a lead of two or three points. And so they can let a lapse happen. So a lapse does kick in and, you know, Julio comes back in a little bit. But you, if you've built a lead, you've got a headshot, something, then fair enough. And we've seen that before with Maxime or with uh, Ryan Shelley, um, you know, where, where that's been a thing. But in this case, it's, uh, you know, Luke wasn't able to prosecute that lead and really, you know, build up a two or three point lead on it so that he could absorb a punch. Uh, it was mm. like one punch was enough to bring it back to level. A second punch was enough to give Julio and, a one lead. And like when you look at the title of the video here, talking about tournament format in ITF sparring, I think that that's a, a great point because it's it's the mental fatigue sometimes. And, and some fighters that come to mind, like Luke Woods here from Ireland, uh, Matt Cadle from England, some of these guys like Julio, who their style was like that intensity. And then they'd almost like yeah. outmatch it towards the last minute because you're just fatigued. Um, and that's very important in a tournament format as well, like you said, because you're going through the possibly five rounds at a world championships there to win if you're looking to get on top step of the podium. Um, so that like that, you need to be intense. And anybody who's following Julio here, for example, on Instagram at the moment, you see the work that he's putting in and uh, the, the physical training that he does, which obviously supplements his ability to, to kind of do this and to be at a high level throughout. Absolutely. And I, I suppose the other side to it then is like, you know, if you have been drastically cutting weight, uh, one of the very first things they'll say is once you've lost about 2% of your body weight through dehydration, your mental performance will suffer. So, you know, if you haven't, you know, if you've had a drastic cut and you haven't rehydrated fully and got yourself ready for the ring, that's where certainly that last one to two minutes is going to crush you. Uh, you know, even yeah. if you're physically fine and you're still going at 100%, your brain will not be firing on all cylinders. It's going to be difficult. Um, mm. So let's flip over to the other half of the draw, uh, or sorry, the other quarter. So this is still all living in one half of the draw, and that's kind of the point of it. Um, you've Ryan Shelley cre- uh, creeping through the other side of the draw there uh, to the final. But, uh, in a different ring, yeah. Yeah, so we have Timothy Boss and Mateus Bustamante uh, coming up here, and this is in the, uh, the other quarter. Mm-hmm. So anybody who's not aware, um, Timothy here is in the red and Mateus Bustamante from Argentina in the blue. Um, so yeah, it starts off, I think, a very um, front leg um, kind of a battle. And then uh, anybody who knows Mateus, he's quite unorthodox and unpredictable. He, he tries to lure you into that kind of mentality of thinking that it's a front leg direct battle. And then he comes out with something kind of almost wild. Um, and you can see here, he's very hard to read then as a result of that. So it's um, it, it's kind of a tricky one early on, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the whole trick with Timothy is always like the, the front leg is what, you know, carries him the distance and gets him into a touch. Uh, but once he does actually touch and make that contact, he explodes and the, the combinations flow. Um, you know, yeah. and, and he's very, very much in that vein of fighter where, you know, once he's built that initial pressure over the distance, you've misstepped and he's got a contact on you. That's mm-hmm. when the hands start to link with the legs and he loves that bit of contact, you know, so if you can get yeah. into that, that, that bit of contact and broken play, he'll improvise out of that or c- combine out of that and build some great, great shots. 
Yeah, and that's why I think we see him that he's he's very, very successful in Waco because of that, because he kind of lives in that close contact, close range game much better and he's able to pull shots off. But I, I think he actually, he, he does well here sticking to a more direct and di a simple game. Um, and we kind of see it as it goes through here that he kind of recognizes that Mateus is a little bit unorthodox and unpredictable. And then he says, OK, maybe route one is the best way to go. And I think we'll see uh, a very good shot in the second round here of an example of that where he's just like, OK, it's, it's hard to get a read on this in terms of the distance and the tempo and the rhythm. So let's just go route one. And I think that's a, it's a fantastic uh, learning point here for anybody who's watching that may come up against somebody who's unpredictable or maybe against the grain. Yeah, there's a good example of it. That's it, right there, direct, true, direct one. And again, it's it's uh, it's simplifying the game state. So if there are parameters you don't understand, you bring it back down to those simple ones that you can understand and control. So what's the distance between me and my opponent? Where are we in the ring? And what's the tempo? And once you start to take control of those variables, you end up in familiar ground. It's like okay, well, if I can mm -hmm. control the distance, well, then I know what shots I'm going to be throwing, and it doesn't matter what they're going to throw because I'm in range for the ones that I need. And you know, mm. you, you 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 bake it much more simple. So you're not watching for a reverse turning kick, a three sixty, a back kick, a blitz, or whatever. You're just worrying about the distance between you and your opponent and the op opportunities that affords you. Yeah, and of course, this is easier to control when you are in the lead because you can use that front leg and almost and then mix it up there like he did really, really well from Timothy. Um, yeah. of just kind of like what we said with with Luke McGraw earlier. Really, is just like playing with the front leg, and then when people come through that range, you can step through on your own hands. Um, so it's a very intelligent way to go and it's a great one to go with. Nice shot. Um, yeah. If you're um, ahead especially, but you don't always have that luxury, of course. But yeah, cracker of a match. Um, very, very close one. Obviously, Mateus probably thought he got the better of that there, but uh, a cracker of a match. Yeah, and that brings us through. And, you know, as we're looking at that, as I said, this is your warm-up, if you want, you know, in some ways for these guys. So, you know, to, to, to go in and jump into a match, the one thing it does do, do for you, though, is tunes you in mentally for the competition. If you come through on the, the, the good side of a battle like that, assuming you're still physically okay, you didn't get a bat, you know, a knock or something, yep. like, mentally you're queued up. You're, you know, you, you will usually be fairly sharp. Um, well, yeah, that's the thing. But then on the flip side, if anybody remembers when we spoke to Ursha, remember that, Adrian? She was saying that she beat yeah. the former world champion in her semi-final, and that was her final. And then she almost kind of like was not really present in her thought process for the final, and she didn't get the result as because of that. Um, so that's the flip side of it then, I guess, as well, isn't it? That you can almost say, ah, I've, I've my hardest match over. It's going to be a breeze from here, and then you can get caught. Well, it can. I mean, I suppose that no matter what, there's always some different way of playing uh, games with yourself in your own head um, True. Or, or, you know, getting carried away with the emotion of the thing. But, uh, you know, definitely you should be alive and awake after a match like that, getting you started. Yeah. Um, so uh, going on from uh, that first match against uh, uh, Luke McGrath, Julio ended up with Rostik Ivanchuk, which is a uh, quite an interesting one for us from the Irish point of view because we had an unusual situation that year in that we had effectively 363s that we could send, if not four. Uh, oh, and if all could are able to medal as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we ended up uh, with uh, with Ryan Shelley actually winning uh, the, yep. the division outright and 
Uh, Luke McGrath was certainly capable of doing it. And so with the, the two guys there and the height of them, they were monsters in that division. Um, you know, mm. Rostick had just narrowly missed out on the selection, but luckily he had the he has a Ukrainian passport as well, or whatever way you want to call it. He qualifies, so uh, he was yeah. able to he was able to go home. And home for him happens to be uh, well, not home, but like his home from home happens to be mm. uh, 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 where Oleg Solovey is. So uh, there's a, there was a nice natural collection connection there, and they've been at training camps and the whole lot of it. So. Um, mm. So Julio ends up with Ireland again, but this time wearing Ukrainian colours. Uh, so let's have a look at how we handle that one. Yeah, so this one starts off at a ridiculous high tempo, um, as you can always expect from the two of these guys. You see Rustic straight out the blocks. Um, usually Julio is trying to set that tempo early on, but you see yeah. that he's able to get that psychic a great, great shot. Um, and then there's a little bit of a, a, a kind of a, an idea of, of trying to get through that straight line, kind of what we talked about earlier again. Um, where Julio's more angles and things like that and try and find continuations where Rustic is a little bit more direct and straight line usually. Yeah, and it's quite disruptive because I think Julio has gotten used to an awful lot of people, uh, you know, stepping off of his initial shot, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and looking to come in on their terms uh, where Rostick has looked to, uh, to step in and deal with his initial uh, shot, the initial lift of the leg. And, you know, there's a, there is a difference in the size of where Rostick really isn't a carry, you know, he doesn't carry his front leg. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it's pretty direct, which I think, unfortunately, lets Julio figure out what the range of it is. But the, the flip side Absolutely. of that for Rostick is he throws his hands off the exact same range. So you yeah. do often get caught out when he does just throw, throw hands from, yeah, as you said. Yeah, that. I think... I think Julio realized very quick not to point spar with Rustic because it's like his forte as such. Um, yeah. I don't know if the lads are aware of each other at this stage. Rustic was certainly aware of, um, of Julio, Julio, but Rustic yeah, was just sure. up. He was just up as a junior, so I'm not sure if Julio was completely aware of him. But at the same time, he figured it out pretty quickly not to point spar with him. He was looking to kind of almost get more angles and like there now push pull and, and get continuation because if there's nobody better in itf than uh, finding angles and being able to throw from anywhere always being on balance than julio he can throw shots from absolutely anywhere and um, so obviously sure. he was able to adjust very very quickly and find that out um, and what was, what was yeah. really interesting this match are you know uh, as much as it's a battle each way you know almost the whole way through the match julio was very much at a 4-0 position for certainly that the, towards the end of the first round and all the way through the second round um mm-hmm. You know, so it, it was uh, it was always kind of close and engaging on the scoreboard, and it was always a yeah. battle. But I don't think Julio was ever completely out of you know I, I don't think he was ever out of control in this particular one. Yeah, he's he never seems that way when he spars. Really sure, like if he's winning by even one point, he just always kind of seems to be in control of the situation, which I guess is the the essence of a champion. But uh, I think on this one is very interesting that because the intensity was so high and they both matched it. It was hard for Rustic to kind of set his rhythm and his regular blitz. And Julio was aware of the regular blitz. But then he got through with some shots that were unpredictable. Um, kind of like the spare jab and, yeah. and almost kind of like the, the lunge shot. The, 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 yeah, the, the ones that are... The, 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 yeah. the back fist to the head and the side kick to the body. Yeah, yeah, the unpredictable ones. Um, so Rustic did a great job there. And I think uh, in, in the extra time then... Uh, we we kind of really seen um the the best of the both of the both guys there towards the the last minute they're both kind of at their their own best game they were after figuring out what they needed to do by that stage and uh, yeah great fight incredible tempo and uh, a cracker of a one 
yeah, I think certainly for that last minute, what you started to see is Rostick was getting his scores, but Julio was matching his scores. So, yeah. you know, you had a start, you know, the, the, the tale of two halves with the match where Julio builds his lead and then the match leveled out, but it was just scoring one for one really at that stage. And, you know, it mm. went for a very exciting uh, match for the crowd and for anyone watching it. But, you know, you, you were never getting Rostick an awful lot closer to being level with Julio. Um, mm. You know, but I think uh, I think as well that it was um, on that one, Adrian, I think it was that he was kind of like very sharp in the direct ones and attacking Rustic. But then Julio was always trying to find shots in the kind of the flow of it where remember we spoke about there on Tuesday as well, the importance of exits off hands that maybe yeah. Rustic wasn't finding the, the shots off exits of the exits of engagement. We say not the exit of leaving the ring or anything. And I think that that kind of made a bit of a difference. And, and definitely that's where Julio really kind of excels, I think. Yeah. And I think even the beginning in terms of Julio establishing his lead is that thing that we can't come back to in the chat with Neil Ernest of being first and last where, uh, mm. you know, Rostick is more than capable of being first. Uh, what yeah. Julio did maybe a little bit better is being last more often. Um, so, yeah. you know, whether Absolutely. he started the engagement or uh, Rostick started the engagement, Julio managed to put the shot on the end of it. And I think that, as you said, is the contrast almost between the points and continuous style of thinking where Rostick, you know, when he does well, he can be super clean because, yeah, you know, very he makes very clean clinical scores, nice single shots. The referees get to note it down. Everything is good. Uh, and and in particular when he's in the lead, that lets him build the lead, you know, because there's no trade and we both go up a little bit. It's like you attack, he's off the line and there's one more point to him and, you know, it makes it difficult. Whereas Julio has accepted that, look, even if I get hit first, I'm getting something back. So it stops, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, it stopped Rossick from ever really attacking the lead. Yeah, like... like we uh, I th- we spoke about it in our uh, top 10 skills and it was in the ebook that we produced this mm-hmm. week as well which is in the description by the way for anybody who wants a copy and um, but it was one of the things that we, we spoke about of um i lose my train of thought after that uh, what were we saying what were we saying on that again i don't know but the important thing was that you had to plug the uh, uh the <laughs> so it'll come to back to me don't worry if it's important yeah. it will come back to me i'll throw it in eventually but where we did end up anyway at the end of all of that is that you have, you know, in this case, um, you know, Julio's had uh, a hell of a battle against uh, Luke McGrath. He's had a decent, very high tempo match, if not as much of a battle on the scoreboards uh, against Rostick. And now he's coming to uh, the next level and he's meeting mm. uh, Timothy Boss, uh, you know, who's come through his quarter. Uh, so uh, the guys come together in the semi final, really. And, uh, uh, I think this is semi-final, isn't it? Let me just have a, a look yeah, back. Yeah, I think Timothy got is. bronze in overall, yeah. I think, yeah. So, But yeah, it comes back to that semi-final and uh, I don't know where we've gone with that one. Sorry about that. But the, uh, we, we come to this semi-final and, you know, the, the work that's been done by both these guys already in reaching that semi-final is huge. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's kind of set up for a bit of a bruiser. So let's have a look. And who do you yeah, obviously off. these two. Boom. Yeah, obviously these guys know each other very well, and um, they've sparred in the final of the World Cup 2016, and I, I imagine they've probably come together before and and that as well at some stage. But um, you can see that like Julio knows that he's going to start with that incredible intensity, um, and trying to keep it off front leg. We spoke about his springboard psychic before, and I think it's, it's a massive weapon. And then, um, yeah, he, it kind of gives him a little bit of a, an edge at the start of this contest, a nice headshot then based off that springboard yeah. front leg. 
a very interesting thing as well because it was like the the hype was certainly very real around the match and everybody recognized mm. that this could have been the final um you know everybody watching and you see julio turning to you know william Prolata and uh, celebrating the the scores and i watched this in full like he, he actually in the in regular time had three warnings for celebrating okay is unfortunate because if he hadn't won them, he would have only, he would have won in normal time. Uh, right, okay, that's so, interesting to know. But oh, the intensity there, look at it, you know, real strong. Obviously, very passionate, the two guys, you know, as well. Yeah. So they're, they're like they know each other very well, and they know that this is as good as a final as well. So, um, th- this is one of these matches that I think Julio just came out of the blocks. Um, and what I was actually going to say earlier when I forgot is that like the, the adaptability and the decision making in the four minutes is what makes champions. And there you see that he was able to kind of pick up on that and know how the match was going. And now we're going mm-hmm. to see it here from Timothy. He knows that, OK, I need to adapt. I can't continue with this. And he changes it up and he changes the intensity. It, like what we just spoke about, he's not worrying about the first initial shot. He's looking to get his own continuation here. So it's kind of interesting to see that kind of come around time and time again. Yeah, and what's remarkable, like Timothy's pulled this back to a draw at this point in time already from where it was looking quite bad for him for a little bit. And like you said, both these guys know this could be a final. Everybody expects that this is going to be a hell of a match. And often when that situation emerges, it can be quite tame. Like it can be quite cagey and restrained. And neither Mm -hmm. of these guys have anything to do with that. (laughs) You know, they've both decided, look, if I'm, you know, if I'm going to be a world champion, I'm going to, you know, absolutely fight my way to being a world champion. I'm going to do it. And like, I'm not going to do it by beating, you know, uh, uh, by beating, you know, my, my main opponent, whatever you want to call it, on the last mm. second on one morning. It's going to be a case of I'm going to outfight him for the four minutes and, you know, credit to them for doing that. Did, did that um, headshot at the end there make oh. an impact on the, the draw? Do you know what? Let's or have a look. Was, was it a... Yeah, I think that's interesting to know because it was, it was nearly at the death as well, wasn't it? Yeah, so we have uh, a nice score here. This is 2-1 to uh, Julio at this stage. Minus point. Yeah, because he's on the back foot. It looks like he's in the lead. Yeah. That's how he kind of, like, he's moving. That's where he's very good, hard to hit when he has the lead. Uh, it's already draw. It's already draw. So he's yeah. he's trying to play it out to get extra time by the looks of it then. Yeah, it had already gone to a draw before that headshot, so the headshot probably okay. hasn't actually been scored. It's only been scored on one. Yeah, and then we see in the extra time, I think that it's very clear that Julio wants to start the same way he did it in the normal time. Yeah. And now Bosp is into his own range as well and his own rhythm, and he knows what he has to do as well. So there's what I was saying earlier when I when I forgot what to say about the adaptability. They now know and recognize what needs to be done, and I think that's why both of these guys are incredibly successful. Oh, definitely. And I mean, at this point in time, you they're know, both at their A game here. Yeah, there we go. That is the, that is the decision. The minus point. The minus point brings out. Uh, boss was two one at that point in time, and the minus point brought it to two two. Um, okay. So, uh, and we had that the the back kick then again, and basically separated just for whatever reason, missing the last eight or nine seconds of that match, which is unfortunate, but. Um, mm. But yeah, the back kick from Julio goes in there and flips the score, and uh, there's not much left in it at that stage. But it does obviously continue to the end. But like, it's a, it's amazing, like that. Uh, you know, you, you have a look, and the minus point isn't for much. You know, there's uh, there's a little bit of a trade with hands, but nothing major. Julio certainly doesn't, you know, show any um, recognition of the fact that he's been punched. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, in you go. But that and 
again, for me, it was just it jumped out in that match because there was three undisciplined warnings, we say, from Julio that potentially would have let him win it in normal time um, that, you know, he could be critical of, uh, except for the fact that everything else about it was was really good. Uh, and then, you know, you've got quite a few warnings in the, even in the extra time and that minus point that, you know, Voss picks up there, which is unfortunate. But that, you know, brings it back to, uh, you know, it, it kind of almost restores that point that Julio had given up for free in the in normal time. Um, yeah. You, you know, it's given it back to him. Uh, but, you know, quite unfortunate. Mm, and like we we spoke about there, um, these guys obviously training, they have Euros in between some of them if they're in Europe, obviously, but and Pan Am's in uh, the other side of the world. But yeah. obviously these guys are training. This is, comes around every two years. We've World Cups and that in between. But the guys want to win the World Championships. is the pinnacle of our sport. So you see that when it comes around and then a decision is what, was down to like people say you shouldn't leave it in the hands of a simple decision like that but this is the highest level it's going to be split by by hairs it's very very difficult to uh, get a massive lead at the very high level and the thing about that then is when the referees or when something like that impacts it it it's um it, it can be a shame and you can see people very disappointed in that and it's just it's just it's just the beauty of it as well at the same time you know what i mean but um when i was when we, we were trying to get these videos here for this, um, when we were clipping some bits out, obviously we're taking out some bits to yeah. keep it interesting for people watching. You see the amount of time wasted and the the kind of this, the warnings that really aren't warnings, and they really really disrupt the flow of the contest. And um, so sure. I think it is something that like we we speak about it a lot, but it is something that I think that needs to be addressed within the sport because you see, um, this is a fantastic division. I think myself personally, sixty three is a great one because you have the speed. Um, and then you have like the the real good technique from these guys as well. So it, it's a nice in between division almost. Um, and then I think as well at the same time when when you have guys like that, the flow is massive. So you see with Rostic and Julio, we've seen it in Timothy there and Julio as well. So these guys in this division, the flow is massive for them. So when you stop that, I think it's a, a quite a shame and it, it kind of really disrupts the, the the natural flow of what these guys can do and show off their real skill set. Yeah, and I mean, I suppose it's what you want to promote. So, I mean, you can see with Julio, with Timothy in that division in particular, the ability to generate some excitement, link shots together, trade off of each other, continue to move, find angles and explode. Like the only thing that really was stopping them is, you know, a fall or an exit. Um, mm. You know, there, there was certainly nothing else particularly bothering them. And, uh, you know, you'd love to see if we're, okay, there's an exit very quickly back in, go, or, you know, there's a fall, open your feet, go. Uh, that would definitely be, you know, somewhat better. Um, but I think really for me, the, 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 what's settled in watching this, and we see this come up every championship, somebody ends up in the so-called group of death. And it's like, oh, you know, and how it comes up, by the way, uh, for anyone who's watching, you'll be at a squad meeting and the draws will come out. And we, you know, in Ireland, we might have three competitors in a junior division or two in a senior division. And it'll be, you know, oh, yeah. You managed to find that half of the draw. Well done, you kind of. Yeah. Thing, where it's, you know, sometimes it's because of seeding not being a thing. You can have two absolutely top class competitors meet in the first round. You know, you can meet the, mm. you can have the, uh, the, the finest of the Pan Americans, the finest of the Europeans meet in the first round. And those championships have no bearing on each other. They don't create ranking. Uh, so it's certainly an argument for, and certainly most coaches would support the idea of some level of ranking. So giving a bit of credit to, um, and the placings of previous world championships or you know major continentals or so yeah. on. 
uh, it would be great to see a little bit of that. But, you know, in the end, it yeah, sure, it makes the first round very exciting sometimes when you get those, uh, you know, oh, oh, look what happened mm. there. So some potential winner has just, is going to have to go out. And so someone is going to slip through the draw all the way to the semi-final or final without really having to meet the world-class, you know, the, the top, top, top one or two in the world just because of the way that it's worked out. And, you know, it, it can be quite a challenge like that. Yeah, and I think there's a definitely a lesson in that and obviously the idea of the video. Like for me personally, uh, I was drawn in the first round for two world championships in a row against the eventual winner in the first round. Not saying I would have went on to win it or anything, but look, they both went on to win it, Davide Messino and uh, Fernando Marin. Um, but that's the idea then, is like when you bring that back, it's the idea of how do you train? Maybe you shouldn't be training and like warming up with your rounds of like, we'll have one or two rounds to get us going. Um, maybe you need to really up that and you, how do you train then not to be a so, slow starter, I guess. Yeah. Um, and how are you able to hit the ground running or as the, the video suggests there firing out of the blocks. And I think that's a, it's an important thing to understand, especially in the very, very high level when, where the margins are quite small. Um, it, you, you need, you need to be able to, basically hit the ground running as we said and and it's more your decision making and you're you're firing all cylinders as well in terms of your body is ready to go you're you're at your peak it's essentially your final in the first round because we can see the way it can play out absolutely and i i think the the other thing mentally that sometimes people do is you know they plan for championships as in right i've got three good rounds in me or i've got four good rounds in me or whatever it happens to be Mm. and to a degree it's like well look if you're fit enough to have you know and you've worked it out and you know there's going to be four rounds uh to you know take you through a final and you're you know physically capable of doing that well that's fine but really and truly you don't get to decide when and where to apply the intensity and that's different from training and it's why live yeah. training is so important because you know, if we're trying to match the heart rate to the expected values and all the rest of that, what you end up with is a situation where it's like, yeah, there is a, a norm match that's sitting in the middle of that bell curve that doesn't take you to the extremes. And that might be what you expect in a couple of your rounds. But what if you're in this pool of death and the mm. four rounds that you have to fight to get to the final are all on the extreme right of that bell curve? They're all challenging you in terms of your you know, your mental concentration, your neural fatigue, your metabolic fatigue, you know, your ability to like take knocks and bruises and bangs and come back. Are you ready for that? Because sometimes that's what's required to be the world champion or the, the, the tournament champion. It doesn't even have to be at that high, high, high level where we all want to prepare really for that slightly more comfortable one where you have, you know, probably two really hard matches in the semifinal and the final. Yeah. And a couple to get you in there along the way. And that was handy. It was a good warm up. You know, the evidence suggests that, you know, in quite a lot of divisions, a lot of the time, you're just not going to be that lucky, you know? Mm. That's it. Like, and it kind of reminds me of a story from uh, Adam Shelley, who the World Championships in 2015, which he eventually won. His uh, first round wasn't against somebody who he was uh, aware of or whatever, and he kind of went out and almost did his warm up in that round. Like you know, so there's the confidence in that as well, obviously. But uh, 
then when you get that pool of dead, you, you don't have that luxury. So it's been able to to work off both when, when necessary and, and know what your body needs. And I think that's the key as well, isn't it? Know what you need. And we did a video yeah. on this a couple of weeks ago of how to prepare for a tournament and how to prepare your body and your, your sleep, et cetera, and how to prepare the mental side of it and the, the warm-up, et cetera. Um, so obviously we'll put that video in the cards here for people to check out as well. But that, that's very important because it is, a, it is an individual thing. Um, what you need for yourself individually will differ for everybody. Absolutely. So really and truly, I suppose the message and the take home message for this is uh, don't second guess what your division is going to look like or what mm. way it's going to run for you. Um, be ready to fight your, your final in the first round and maybe in the second round as well and possibly the third. Um, so, you know, there, for, for every time that a tournament lines up nicely for you and the matches get more difficult as you go through the rounds, remember that for as long as we don't have seeding, there is no guarantee that that's how it's going to play out. And so mm. you might just have to fight the hardest route to the final that exists. And someone will do it because someone will win yeah. every match and someone will get to the final. It's just your job to make sure. Someone has to win. Someone has to win. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe leave us know in the comments, um, whether even if you're not watching this video live and you're watching the, the recording of it, what do you think of the seeding, whether it's a good idea, whether it's not a good idea, and why? And um, we'll be interested to see what people's thoughts are on that. And I think, for me, a massive takeaway as well, and it, it's something that we speak about time and time again, is the, the adaptability within the four minutes. I mean, it's a very, very short time. Um, and to be able to we see the ebbs and flows here in the matches that we've seen for going to draw, your opponent winning, you winning, and it just switches around so quickly. So the adaptability to know what you need to do there without, without having to rely on your coach to tell you or whatever is a yeah. massive, massive part of it as well. Okay. So I think that's really us for this week, Richie. Uh, our next session then mm -hmm. is on Tuesday. We're live. We're going to be doing a little bit of... Uh, uh, a, a little bit of live training uh, and we did just get news in Ireland that we have there, there is uh, daylight at the end of the tunnel for us uh, apparently so from the 26th of April we get to train together outdoors at least for the younger students uh, and mm -hmm. what that might mean for us is that uh, depending on how things go our live sessions might not be extending beyond the 26th of April so we'll see that we so enjoy the last few there's good and bad to that. So if you have topics you particularly want covered in the next week or two, make sure to hit us up very quickly with those so that we can pick our topics for the next two or three Tuesdays. Um, and uh, we're really looking forward to kind of, uh, uh, you know, finishing off that series in style uh, and yeah. moving on to other projects. And happy Easter as well, Galena. We see your comment there. Happy Easter to everybody who's watching. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. See you in the next one, guys. Thanks as always. Very best luck, folks. We'll see you soon.